0: hey real estate nation welcome to improve your hustle with kendall bonner where you will be challenged empowered and inspired to wake up level up repeat so Everybody, welcome. This is Improve Your Hustle with Kendall Bonner, and I have a wonderful special guest speaker. He comes to us today with almost 20 years of real estate experience. He is a contributor and author to Lab Coat Agents and as well as um, a writer for of white papers. You can find a lot of his articles on LinkedIn. He built his first computer at age five. He loves technology his dog named Carl, and his wonderful, wonderful family. He previously has held a title license. He currently holds a real estate license. He has received multiple service Pinnacle Awards from his former brand. He is a youth mentor. And one of my most proud achievements for him is he was the 2018 Manager of the Year for the entire REMAX Network in the USA. So please help me welcome Mr. Shad Boucher,
1: Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. So, Shad, I want to start with um, a comment that you've made in the past. You said that you are a firm believer that the 80-20 rule, right, the 20% of agents that do 80% of the business concept represents a lack of leadership in our industry. And you plan to do what you can to change that. Tell me more about that.
1: You know, I, I think that there's this, there's a lot of myths in our industry. There's, there's myths that we don't do business in the fourth quarter, which is just a reason for agents to pull back and be lazy. There's, you know, the 80-20 rule. It's 20% of the agents do 80% of the business. And I think that allows brokers to run the models that they're running today. 100% houses where they don't provide any leadership or training. They don't provide development. They don't, they don't go out and champion the industry. It allows them to sit back and simply be landlords and i think to be honest with you a long 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 progression of that is why we are where we are today with a lot of the things happening in our industry and the and the state of it we have a massive amount of untrained unskilled ignorant people running around with real estate licenses and i think that it has hurt our um our view with the public and the people that we serve, I think they don't trust us. I think, and I think they honestly, for a good majority, have a right to. And that is because there is this lack of leadership out there at the brokerage level and, and the state level. And, and look, I'll throw it out there, I'll slaughter a sacred cow at NAR level. And it's just one of those things that I think we should all be ashamed of and that we have to fix. And that's my plan. I mean, I, I tell people all the time that I can't fix the entire industry, but I will fix every person who is under my, my tutelage and my, and my house and my roof because those people have a right to be abundant and, and have the lives they want. And I don't deal with typical people. I build badass unicorns and <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I love to do. So. That's
0: awesome. So you said that you build badass unicorns, and you plan to fix this eighty twenty problem through leadership. Okay. Tell us about your role. your Your title is director of development. What does that mean?
1: Well, you know that that means a lot of things. That means I'm a I'm I'm a coach. I'm a psychiatrist. I'm a I'm a bartender. Um, Look, I, I I think the problem with most people is they don't have a lot of they don't have a lot of faith in themselves. They don't have a lot of faith in their skills. They're coming with a lot of self limiting beliefs, and I think you have to get them to find their why. Um, you have to get them to realize that they they are allowed to to shoot for that, and and I think that they then have to be okay with doing the work and having the skills that it takes to do this job at a very high level. And I think that that is my role. My role is to inspire them. My role is to, is to teach them. My role is to pick them up when they fall down. My role is to, is to bring them You know, the fact that they can do this. I mean, that's one of the great things about real estate. It's, it's a great equalizer. I mean, I, I ultimately never finished my college degree. Um, I didn't because I started making $175,000 a year and I realized I didn't require it. Um, and that 's the great thing about this is yes, you can actually be flipping burgers last week and be making one hundred and seventy five thousand dollars a year a year later if you 're willing to put in the work and The problem with it is is there 's nobody out there giving them a roadmap of how to get from yes, would you like to supersize that to sure let 's close on your million dollar home and that's, I think that's one of the things that, that, that should be there, and, and, and it just isn't, and that's, okay. what I, that's what I love doing.
0: Okay. So, what I hear you saying is that being a director of development is pouring into agents, helping agents uh, find out what they aspire to do, and then actually helping them develop a plan of action to actually sure. do it, right? Yeah. Okay. And so why do you think agents need that? Why do you think agents need coaches? Is that something that's old school or is that no. something that's evergreen and and is absolutely necessary today? Why Why do
1: Coaches agents- are evergreen. Tiger Woods is not Tiger Woods without his caddy. Michael Jordan is not Michael Jordan without Phil Jackson. Coaches exist out there in almost every major industry. Most of your CEOs have a coach. I mean, the problem with it is, you know, we would all like to think that we're self starters, we would all like to think that we're out there and that we can, we can do this on our own. And we don't need anybody to inspire us or someone to chase or someone to, you know, to, to get our best selves out of us. But in reality, given our own, you know, our own ability to not do to, to do that, we don't. And that's what coaches are out there to do. Coaches are there to to pick you up when you've fallen down to stand beside you and say, you can absolutely do this. And then to also give you the skills that you need to, to do it. And most people, I was self-taught. Okay. My first broker, Mm -hmm. full disclosure is now my um, father-in-law. He basically was a 90, 10 broker. He sat me down. He gave me a bunch of contracts. He told me to do open houses on a Tuesday and a Thursday at this little crappy house he had. And that was the level of training I got and the worst thing that could have ever happened to me happened i held the open house on tuesday i was pouring over contracts everything went fine i went to hold the open house that following thursday and people walked in and actually wanted to buy it <laughs> and i had no idea how to do that and i called him on the phone and i was in hushed tones in the kitchen going people want to buy the house what do i do and he said sell it to them stupid and hung up and that was that was my first experience in real estate and at that point I started going through the schools of hard knocks. And look, if I, if I didn't get into this industry in the early 2000s when, I mean, you could put a realtor pin on a goldfish and it would make $100,000 a year. You could sell houses. I mean, I sold stuff in less than in 12 hours. You know, I spent a lot of money that went down the tubes, teaching myself, training myself, and no one introduced me to a coach. And I wish they would have, I'd have spent a crap ton less money. And I, I did things wrong and I fell down and I failed and I, you know, I got back up and I failed again and I failed better and I failed faster. And eventually I figured it out because I applied what I knew from every other thing I had done up until this point. And that's what I think coaches provide. They're a shortcut. They're 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 Look, it, it's really interesting. If you're standing in a maze, you can't tell where to go. But if you're looking at the maze from above, you can see exactly how to get to the end point. And I think that's where the coach's role is, is they stand above the maze. You're in the maze. You can't see where to go. You're just going to go left and right. You're going to blindly stumble around. The coach stands over the maze and can basically say, Well, the ending is that way. Go left, go right, go straight, go forward, find your out. And that's their role. And, and it's a it's a, you know, it's a very Important role. It's a it's a it's a role that most coaches take very seriously, because that's why you get into this. It's the you know your happy place is watching people be able to you know put their kids through college and 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 have the life they want to have. I mean, long and the short of it is, I could I could stop tomorrow and just go sell real estate and make three hundred grand a year. I don't have an issue doing that, but you know I find that my happy place is helping other people do that. And I think that's the whole point of when you get to a certain level, it's turning around and giving a hand back. So
0: you have a great quote about when the teacher appears. Can you share that with our audience?
1: Sure. The teacher appears magically when the student is ready. I think that most people have to be ready to be taught. Um, I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I suffer from probably an undiagnosed oppositional defiant disorder. Um, I, I think that's, that's the case. I mean, I have to, I have to respect somebody and really, and really have love for them to take their advice, but that's what most people are. Most people, most people can't get out of their own way. And it's funny because I, we have an agent in our office. I've known the man for going on 10 years now. I have tried to coach him for every minute of that. And Nope. 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 He is just now to the point where his business is not doing well. He doesn't know what to do and he's finally ready to listen. And as a coach, you just have to be patient. You have to be patient. You, you know, you might have 50 people that you're trying to help and only 10 of them are letting you and you have to get up every day and do it for the ones that show up and not for the ones that don't and realize that you don't love the ones that don't any less. And it's not that the teacher hasn't been there for 20 years. teacher's been there. The student just wasn't ready to listen.
0: Or the teacher appears when the student is ready. I love right. that. I absolutely love that. So one of the things that um, I want to shift gears a little bit. Sure. Because I think right now there's a lot of hot topics and fear, concern, mm-hmm. Uh you know, Right now, we're in an industry that industry disruption is a thing. You know, it's just a common topic in the in the real estate world, particularly the concept of eye buyers. It's something that's new right now, mm-hmm. and a lot of agents are confused. They don't know what that is. They don't know how to feel about it, and so as a result, they're just scared. I know that you have studied this. I know that you have really dug into this, and I'd like for you to take a few minutes just to. Tell us what you know about iBuyers. Mm -hmm. Tell us what you think about it. And also how you feel that agents should feel about this concept of iBuyers. Should they be scared? Should they not be scared? Arm them with some knowledge right now, Coach Shad.
1: (laughs) Sure. So iBuyers are basically a way for Wall Street and hedge fund money to get a hold of the residential real estate market they are the largest um in my opinion equity theft that has happened to middle class america in well since 2008 when the crash happened and everybody's equity went away now that equity didn't exist it was paper equity it was it was an inflation of value that should have never occurred and that was another lovely thing that happened because of the banking industry well now they're trying to just get a hold of the properties in general And so they're coming in and they're preying on the fact that the general public is fed up with the real estate process. They think it takes too long. It's inconvenient. It makes them keep their house clean. It makes them, you know, do all these things that, that they don't want to do because it's, it's not, it's disruptive to their lives. Okay. And they're basically trading convenience for the equity that they've built in their home. And I'm sorry, but that is just patently wrong. It is, it shouldn't be allowed, it's ridiculous. Um, the I buyers are using semantics to disguise what they're doing, right? They don't charge a commission, they charge a fee. Oh, that's great, you know, that's, that's changing glad to happy, that's garbage. It's, and, and the thing about it is their fee starts at higher than what they could sell their home with an actual professional real estate agent. And then because they're outside the process and not governed by a lot of how real estates work ethically, you know, then you end up with the fact that most of these people, in fact, I just read an article this morning, and I can't comment on the the, the body of it because I just really read the headlines this morning when I was going through my morning routine but there's an article out there that the average person loses 15% when selling with an eye buyer wow yeah so convenience is is expensive and and you know and 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 i was taught that when i was really young i had i had an, an instance with my grandfather where we went to the store for peppers and i grabbed cut peppers that were in a package at the grocery store and he grabbed three peppers and he looked at me and he taught me he said these peppers are 79 cents these cut up peppers are 4 dollars he goes lazy is expensive and lazy is expensive and that is the case it, look it it you know there are times when you know you you know it's cost effective to have people do things for you but then there's other times where it's not and i'm sorry with the average american's largest financial instrument being their home there's no reason for them to lose 15 percent selling it and it, it's ridiculous the amount i mean we had we had one recently where after it was all said and done the seller would have lost $87,000. And that's just nuts. And we sold the house for full price. That's crazy. Yeah. The, the offer came in, the house was listed at 419. The offer came in at 387 with a $46,000 service fee back to the iBuyer. So at the end of the day, the net offer was 340. And we sold the house for 419. Wow. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's just a massive equity grab for convenience. And they're preying on the fact that people are fed up with how difficult it is to sell their home because of the level of real estate professional that they're dealing with. You know, the mindset is transactional a lot of places in the industry. And when you're transactional, you don't care about the experience of your client. And guess what they're preying on? They're preying on the fact that most real estate agents do not care about experience. The experience that the customer has is everything.
0: What would be your advice to an agent if they had locked into this transactional mode because that's how they've been previously coached or trained or taught, okay. but they now really want to move from transaction-based to caring about their client and the client experience? What would, you, what would be your recommendation to them?
1: You know, it, it's, it's not that you have to dismantle everything. The great thing about that comes from a transactional mode is systems and, and process. Those things are very important, but you have to look how you built those systems and processes. Who do they serve? Does a system and, and process serve you or does it serve your client? Are you doing things for your convenience or are you doing things for theirs? That's how you get back into, into working with a, with a relationship-based model, but having systems underneath it. The other thing that I would say is that start to manage expectations. You know, sit down with your client initially and and go over what are their wins? What do they look like? And build your process around that. And then ask them, you know, what do you expect? And then go do that. The problem with transactional-based people is most of those those transactional-based models are built to serve the actual real estate agent. They're not built to serve their client they're built to to go go through and get these things done as quickly as possible and 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 you know let them move on versus how these how that they're how they're leaving their client how do they feel and you know it's it's I hear it all the time when I go to mixers and networking events you know I hear people that are like well and they're just going to have to deal with it mm-hmm. no they're not <laughs> and obviously they're not because that's why high buyers exist. If we were all doing white glove service with tight systems behind it, iBuyers buyers couldn't exist because there would be no need for them. People would laugh at them, and they'd be like, "I'm not giving my house away." But right now, that's that's the feeling out there is that I'm going to lose money anyway because I'm going to put my house on the market, and all they're going to do is just. my life. And I'm going to have to do price drop after price drop after price drop after price drop after price drop, drop, and then finally sell my home. And why don't I just get it over with quickly? Rip the bandaid off fast versus rip it off slow. All right. That's the the perception.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so much, Shad. That's a lot of food for thought. A lot of things to think about. A lot of growth can happen, I think, as a result of your advice today. I want to spend the last couple of minutes with a final question or two Mm -hmm. that really just digs deeper into who you are as a person. (laughs) um,
1: Danger, Will Robinson.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to ask you this. What's the best piece of advice a leader, mentor, your mom or dad gave you that you feel really changed the trajectory of your life?
1: Wow. Um. You know, I've had a lot of, I've had a lot of people give me nuggets over the years and it's, it's amazing what you, what you don't realize you knew until they, I don't know how to word this, but the, the, the ability to actually assimilate it is because of, of an experience. And, you know, it's one of those things that, that I think I've been taught that, that time and happiness is everything. You know, that's one of those things I think that you just don't realize. You know, we all have, it's interesting, we all have 29,000 days on average that we live, 78 years, okay? When you learn that you take your age and multiply it by 365 and subtract, it all becomes about time and what are you doing with it and how are you spending it?
0: Or investing it, right?
1: That's exactly it. You know, I was given a a, a really big gift at one point. I got a large consulting contract to a company. I had all the money I wanted. Um, I had very little duties. When you consult, you get what's called a statement of work. And that's how you keep your contract. In other words, they have to keep paying you as long as you perform your statement of work. My statement of work was three things. Answer emails in a timely manner, be on any phone calls required of me and show up at any off-site uh, meetings or, or trade shows as long as they provided airfare and, and expense account. So I had all this time, right? I mean, all those things you can arguably do with from a smartphone, right? I could have learned Japanese. I could have done all these things. And I didn't. I played a lot of Call of Duty, ate a lot of Hot Pockets, watched Netflix, and got fat. And, you know, you realize that time is it. You know, you have the same 24 hours as Beyonce does. Hmm. What are you doing with it? How are you enriching everyone?
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Shad. We so appreciate you on Improve Your Hustle today. You certainly helped me improve mine. And (laughs) hopefully the folks here today got some nuggets and some thoughts and, and some advice and some wisdom to help them level up and improve their hustle. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, my friends, for joining us at Improve Your Hustle. So were you challenged, inspired, and empowered today? If so, what tip, skill, or strategy do you plan to implement after today's episode? Think about it, and then go share it in the Facebook group. Now, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. I appreciate you. Level up.
1: The fact that freaking all these brands are like gangs, right? The Crips can't talk to the Bloods and the <laughs> what? You know, I can't talk to your EXP. It was funny because it was um, that thing that we went to. We were there and he's like, so how does this normally work? I said, I said, well, it's tables. So sit down, I'll I'll, I'll explain to you. And I basically explained to him how they were all going to click up. And they did. They clicked up and nobody wanted to talk to anybody outside of their click. Right. I mean, I I get it. You know, rep your set. But but what the hell? (laughs) This is not this is not. We're not. We're not in here. So that's the problem. None of us talk. None yeah. of us want to talk, and none of us want to admit. And you know, I'm, I'm fantastic. No, you're not, because I'm not. None you're of right. us are.